You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, cross-dresser and author of the Living with Cross-Dressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of foxandhanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Savannah. Hey, Julie. How are you today? I'm okay. I'm dealing with a lot of additional sound. What does that mean? Ex- well, we're getting, we're doing some major yard work. Um, so I apologize to you and to the listeners for some saw, the saw, some occasional like sawing down a large tree. Ooh, okay. Noises. I can't All really. Right. So I apologize. And yeah, so. Well, you, there was someone FaceTiming me, so I, I really tried to <laughs> noise cancel this time, but I think it's kind of like one of those things like you make a plan and God laughs kind of deal. Yes, exactly. Um, so I apologize oh, to the listeners. Well, I appreciate and, you letting us know. I mean, um, you know, they should know better. They should know that the Fox and the Fingers podcast was being recorded and they should have stopped work immediately. I mean, they should have. <laughs> They really, you're right. I mean, they should have. You know what? They they just don't know. They just don't know what's up. Yeah. And, and we are catching it on sound, too. I'm I know sorry. That's okay. I mean, it's it's faint. So for any of the listeners, uh, just be aware you might hear some buzz saws, uh, just a little bit yeah. in the background. Um, that's okay. We, plenty, we have plenty of ambient noise coming in, typically. But talk about the uh, making plans. Um, I had set out this morning to do all sorts of things. It's Sunday, it's Savannah uh, Starbucks Sunday, so I did manage to do that. Um, ended up doing all sorts of graphics and Photoshop and um, uh, connecting with uh, one of my friends who showed up uh, to Starbucks. So we were talking about her art and her paintings, and uh, we talked about you know, cross-dressing and, uh, you know, you talk about uh, all sorts of things. So it was just kind of like, you know, you get those moments where you don't want to lose that moment of connecting with somebody. Yeah, so you, so sure. you sacrifice that work you, you set out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's, it was all good. And so it's always now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially now. But uh, that being said, and I actually spoke to her about this as well. It's like, I have a topic it is my Yay. turn. I know we, we like to uh, kind of go back and forth about these. But this, this for me is something that is so far reaching. It's not just about cross-dressing. It kind of it crosses the aisles. It crosses the genders. And it was something that like I struggle with myself and I hear people struggling with it for themselves. So what I want to do what I want to do is I want to read uh, something I got from uh, a, a woman. This is a mm-hmm. wife of a crossdresser who I'm uh, talking to. And I see we were going back and forth about makeup and things to do and how to do it. And I sent a picture of myself to mm-hmm. her, just like you know what I've been doing. And her response to me, I'm going to try to read it here, is... She says, oh, you look like a model, very beautiful. And, I'm, you know, of course, I, I gush and I deflect and, no, I'm not really, you know, that kind of stuff. Stop it, you. Yeah, oh, come on. Wait, wait, what part of me looks like a model, like, if you <laughs> please, have to say? Yes, right, please be you. specific. 
<laughs> but, but she also said, uh, while I still think you look beautiful, I've never felt beautiful because people used to tell me I look fat. My father was one of them. Mm. And so she started sending me pictures of like, hey, this is what I used to look like. And this is how I look now uh, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, you could see that here's all my problems. And, uh, you know, she's, but she did say, but now I feel different because my husband always makes me feel beautiful. Mm. Um, so kind of the, the topic I wanted to broach with you, um, me as a cross-dressing man who's striving for an ideal beauty and you as a woman also kind of shackled to the standards of modern beauty and i wanted to just kind of discuss the how we are all slave to it you know here's this woman who i found you know she sent me pictures i looked at her facebook and she's was is a beautiful woman but yet her self-impression was so different than the objective impression by me. So I kind of want to tackle tackle a bunch of different aspects of this. And the first being, I love that topic. Yeah, I think, and I think it's important. I think we we do deal with this sense of beauty or this expectation of beauty that we're always striving for, always find ourselves uh, coming up short. Uh, you know, it's kind of like best laid plans. Like you said, we make plans, God laughs. Mm-hmm. It's like, we always said, well, if I look like this, I would be beautiful. Or if I was able to have, uh, you know, a smaller waist or a bigger bust or a smaller nose, whatever it might be is like, I think that we are always trying to chase something that doesn't exist. Yeah. It's, it's a really, um, challenging subject. I think that women, especially, are bombarded with screaming voices saying, you're not good enough, there's something wrong with you. And that just comes down to like, think about all the products that are advertised on television or when you're in CVS and you're looking to up your self-care. All these different products are screaming at you. You need me because you are not enough. Mm. Your hair is not thick enough. So here's the shampoo, your eye, you know, the length of your eyelashes, there's something wrong with them. So here's this product. So everything from um, the media to products to interactions is meant to make women feel inferior for sure. And then when I think about um, this woman that reached out to you, no matter how much, and I'm so, I'm so glad she found a partner that really makes her feel beautiful because at the end of the day, that is so important. She could have easily chose a partner that mirrored what her father, how her father would make her feel. Um, But she didn't, she chose someone that was, was the opposite. And still, that parent inside you who has shaped how you view your physical and, you know, physical and mental and spiritual self, you have kind of built a home around that criticism. And there it lives, unless you on a daily basis 
fight against it. It is so hard, especially when it comes to weight or a feature mm-hmm. or something about you. Like I have an issue with my feet because my mother um, is a narcissist and she loved up on her feet. She used to say, oh, I have Marilyn Monroe toes. And she'd kind of put her beautiful, and she did have beautiful feet. She does. Um, but then she'd look to my feet and she'd say, you have your father's feet. And to this day, I don't really wear sandals. Mm. I don't. Could I rebel against that? Sure. But I have I given... Um, have I taught myself, has she taught me the worthlessness of my feet and the disgusting, disinterested, you know, all that? Is that noise, has that noise, you know, created the fabric that are my opinion around my feet? Yes, sure. Yeah. And I know that they're not hideous. I just don't care about them. So you, you've gone from hating it because you were told that you have terrible feet. Now you're just indifferent well, it wasn't that I ever really hated them. It was, there was never a fondness for them mm. because that is what was projected onto me. Right, right. So if you're told that you're fat, even if you are by your body and by health standards healthy, or maybe you're not, and this this created an eating disorder, right? Mm. You will still if you're approaching it from that way, it will still be under the guise of what that parent taught you about yourself. You will never be thin. You were just not that person. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, that, that was the comment she made is like, well, my dad said I was fat. I mean, and I can't even, I actually, I can visualize it. I mean, all parents say things to us either because they're ignorant about like they don't understand the impact of the words that they're saying to you. Um, or like you said, they're maybe self-centered and self-absorbed and nothing's good enough already to them. So therefore they project that all out to everybody else. Um, you know, even for myself, it's like, you know, I was kind of, I'm lucky in a sense where I'm not actually a slave to parental views of my physique because as Savannah, there is no, there, there's nothing there to, to attribute to it. So I actually, I never, it's not like my parents know about Savannah and says, oh my God, you're so ugly as a woman. It's like, I don't have that. But I understand the indoctrination of either uh, a poor sense of self because somebody in authority or somebody who you looked up to, somebody who you're pleasing, you know, a parental figure um, who's told you you're not good enough. I mean, of course that impacts you. It's like, I was told I was, wasn't good enough just in general not in terms of physique, but my dad was always like, oh, you have no common sense mm-hmm. because I was very, a very cerebral kid. So mm-hmm. I would overanalyze things asked of me. So my dad would say something to me or ask me to do something and I would overanalyze it in a very slow way. And so he'd be like, treat it as if I was dumb or slow mm-hmm. or like, you know, you have no street smarts, you got no common sense. And that stayed with me for years. Yeah. Even though I knew I was a smart kid, I knew I was you know, I love reading books. I love being studious. I love getting good grades, but was me striving to get good grades an attempt to please him, to show him I was smart? Sure. I, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's like you said, it's like these things shape us at such young ages. And if it's repetitive and it starts becoming more ingrained, that's all we see. So we're always chasing that ideal, 
you know, like, well, I'm too fat. Everybody says I'm too fat. So therefore it means I'm not beautiful because somebody has instilled in us that overweight means not attractive. Mm. I don't actually count to that. I don't necessarily count to that either because, you know, I've known women of many ages and weights and sizes and shapes and bone structure that they all carry a modicum of beauty in them just for their individuality and their uniqueness. It has nothing to do with, um, well, unless you're 110 pounds and 5'8 and have blonde hair and blue eyes and small feet and delicate hands and bone structure, that makes you beautiful. And I, I want people to understand that's not the case. And the fact that it still persists here in the 21st century that we're still slavish to, like you said, going to, you know, um, you know, cosmetic stores and going to the drug stores and finding posters that says your lashes need to be super plump and thick and long and your lips need to be this and you're, mm. you know, you need to not have acne on your face, you know, because, you know, these pictures of the models on the posters are flawless. And if you're not flawless, you need to be flawless. I mean, those are terrible ideals to set yeah. yourself against. It, it is. And I feel like you and I have talked about um, your quest for perfection when it comes to your cross-dressing and how it's hard for you because there's parts of yourself that no matter what you do, for you represents this male aesthetic that you can't shake no matter what you do. So that feels like some sort of mountain that you have to climb every time or something that you really have to have a come to God moment with and you struggle with to kind of let that go. And I think that that's something that that experience, Savannah's experience with um, trying to find this perfect female to get, to nail it, you know, to get mm -hmm. an A plus. I think that the idea that you, no matter what you do, you have to make peace with the fact that you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to look in your mind a hundred percent female or, or, or that's the story that you're kind of telling yourself. And the truth of the matter is, is that whole experience is probably your most female experience, the, the most connected tissue, the, the most, the thing that connects myself as a cis woman and you, you and I, you and the, the the female population, you know, whether it be us going out or us looking in the mirror, there is this narrative that says, oh, if you only look this way or, oh, there's something about you. I mean, I can't say that I, there's not one woman on the planet, I believe, that doesn't have something about themselves that they wish if they had a magic wand, they would change. Mm. It's true. And so I guess the only way to rebel against it, the only kind of kryptonite to our broken sense of self or our quest for perfection is to just rebel and love that part of yourself that much more. It's so hard though, oh, especially, yeah, especially with, and again, I, I think I can speak to this in a way because I've actually, well, let me give you a bunch of different scenarios. The first is my arm hair. 
Yeah. Right. I, I have hair on my forearms. Um, and it's not ter- it's not terribly thick. It's not, you know, so thick that it, it feels like it's changing my skin color different. But I did a presentation at uh, Clemson University. It was kind of like a psychology club. And I made that comment about not wanting to see my arm hair because I felt that it diminished my success of feminine presentation. And afterwards, uh, I was talking to the people who were there and one young, beautiful young woman came up to me and was like, I had that same problem. I hate my arm hair. And I looked at her arm hair compared to mine. I'm like, you have like a couple strands versus what I got going on. Mm-hmm. And she was very, very self-conscious about it. No need to be in my eyes. I didn't see no need for her to think that that took away her feminine beauty, but yet she was very self-conscious and I felt the same way about myself. I mean, she probably saw me as like, wow, you're really succeeding. And I'm like, yeah, but I got this arm hair. So it's all for naught, you know? Um, And you had said before, I am also slavish to the success of my presentation to be as feminine as I can be. And in that way, and I've said this before, I'm very binary. I'm trying to be very specific and, uh, and have a goal of like, if I do these things, if my makeup skills get better, if I can contour my face uh, successfully, if I can do all these things, if I watch enough YouTube tutorials about how to do it, have the right makeup. Now, for me, having something that makes my lashes darker, having an eyebrow pencil that shapes it so I can not have it as as kind of fly away, it could be a little more concise and mm-hmm. arched without actually sacrificing my male eyebrows. Right. I mean, the problem is, is like I'm trying to do stuff to a male face that I'm not looking to actually get rid of on my male face. I'm not looking to shape my eyebrows in a very delicate arch sure. because I'm walking around. I'm walking around every day as a man, and that's not necessarily how I want myself to look in that regard. So I go ahead and do some tips and tricks and do things to kind of make the illusion a little more believable. Yeah. Um, So I think that in the case that, yes, I am looking to have delicate eyebrows and a high arch. I'm looking to have very exotic almond eyes with Mm -hmm. nice wings. I'm looking to have full lips. I'm looking to have high cheekbones with the highlights and lowlights and all these things that I know is part of the female aesthetic. But I also need to do what you said, which is keep being the best I can be, keep improving my skill set, but understand that I can't make believe I'm going to look like Angelina Jolie. I can't believe I'm going to find and get to this pedestal of beauty because really it's about my beauty. It's about how well I do for me and being okay and coming to terms with like, wow, I am actually pretty or like I'm happy with the results of what I've done. Versus like, well, I failed again. I don't look like so-and-so. I still look like a man. Um, and I've, I've spent years, and I know we've talked about this, you and I. I've mm-hmm. spent years, no matter how well I thought I did my makeup at that time, I would look in the mirror or I'd see a picture of myself that somebody took, like, you know, in a crowd where I wasn't, you know, like looking perfectly into the camera and all posed and poised. Um, I would just see my male face. Regardless, didn't matter if I had a long wig on, didn't matter if I had lipstick on, didn't matter if I had the most, you know, long lashes possible. I still, all I saw was my male face. Yeah. And it has taken me years to finally see 
the beauty of Savannah in that face. Like it's not dissociative. I'm not like saying, I don't see Chuck anymore. It's not that. It's just that I have come to that, that come to terms and come to accept that this is my face. And if I really was objective about how I felt my skills were with my makeup, once I'm done and look in the mirror and take a picture of myself and say, wow, as a woman, quote unquote, I'm actually pretty or actually feel pretty. I actually feel like I succeeded and I just don't feel like a man with, with a caked on makeup. Right. And it's, it's, it's actually very liberating to know or come, come to that, you know, coming to Jesus moment, like you said, mm-hmm. it's, it's really fulfilling and liberating and freeing to be like, wow, I, I see Savannah. I see my femme me, you know, and, and I'm not sacrificing my male me. This is a daily practice. It's something that isn't just something you get over. It's a daily, um, for me, as an everyday female, it is a daily practice to show up and say, I'm going to love this about myself today, or I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the inside and I'm going to focus, you know, and it's, I think that there is similarities and there is great differences when it comes to finding that aesthetic, that pleasing aesthetic for cross-dressers and and cis women. And also the idea of like who to who, pleasing to who, Mm. right? So um, as people, we're such a visual culture and, you know, we're drawn to symmetry and there's all these, there's all these kind of, I don't know if you call them psychological or biological or whatever it is, kind of ways in which we find attraction, figure out what's attractive to us. It's, it's so deeply rooted in who we are and it goes back way, way further than, you know, culture and television Mm. and magazines. There's something to it that goes back to even before we were, you know, standing tall, (laughs) you know, when we walked on our hands and on our legs. (laughs) I don't know. It's really, it goes really deep. And when it comes to your parents, just to go back to that original interaction you have with this woman, it it can be really painful because your parents are God. Mm -hmm. And if they say that you're fat, that lives somewhere. This parent could have said it once one freaking time and not only does it build a home inside you it builds an entire truth an entire roadmap to your identity unless you do some serious you know emdr which is this just this therapy that kind of shakes things on a cellular level it's it's ingrained in you that you are fat so even if you are 110 pounds mm-hmm. and that ideal that parents, that truth, that, you know, idea of who you are, that gift that you get, your, your dad gave you, it lives there. And I'm yeah. so sorry. It's, it's that, that that's the truth. It's, it's beyond powerful. Right. And luckily, like you said, she is with somebody who reinforces the fact that she is beautiful. Mm. However she looks, you know, however, however she carries herself, let's say that her husband is like, no, you're beautiful as you are and validating her and kind of deprogramming 
that home or maybe knocking down that home built in her psyche a brick at a time. And maybe at some point it'll be a beautiful meadow with no homes on it where she can actually see the beauty in the thought of who she is. Well, she needs to, she needs to believe it. Yeah, it can't absolutely. come from this outside source. It no, it's so good because it does. And because it, it contradicts the conditioning. Yes. But she needs it. She needs to hear it from that outside source. True. She can't give it to herself just yet. Just yet. Yeah. Who knows how long that external praise and that um, love and that um, consistent validation will be needed. Yeah. The goal is always to be able to, you know. <laughs> kill that inner parent that harmed you and be able to foster that self-worth and that dialogue, whether it be the voice of your husband inside you or not, is to be able to run on you. Right. That's so important. I mean, that's the goal. Right. It's so important. And that's, uh, we could go off on a big tangent about like validation. And I talk about validation with cross-dressers who are trying to kind of get out of that shame spiral that they grew up with, like mm-hmm. to understand that just being a cross-dresser is okay and there needs to be validation. We need community to kind of show, maybe, it, and maybe it's less about like me physically saying, yes, it's okay that you are you and more about mm-hmm. expressing and leading the way and being that example that they can see it's okay. Because a lot of times words are not as powerful as actions as we both know. So if they can see examples of somebody who is, living that truth and thriving, then that gives them hope. And then that gives them that, that maybe that trigger or that click to say, Oh, if they can do it, I can do it. Versus me constantly be like, Hey, come on, you can do it. No, no, you can do it. Cause maybe at some point all they hear is a buzzing sound and they don't hear the, the impact of the words as much anymore. So you are so right when it comes to understanding your beauty in living your beauty, in radiating that beauty. I mean, people unfortunately are so tied up with the physicality. Oh, the classical beauty. It's like, you know, your body has to be symmetrical and all eyes have to be even. And this is what beauty means. Mm-hmm. And that's not true either because beauty is not just a physical component. You know, I've seen some beautiful women that are terrible people. Right. And I wouldn't want to be around them. It's like, and they get ugly very fast because of just how they are. Doesn't you know beauty only physical beauty only takes you to the door and makes people look at you. It's about what you do with the rest of you, the beauty of your heart, how compassionate you are, how empathetic, how interesting you are as a person, like what you bring with conversation and intelligence. Those are the things that that enhance the physical beauty in such a way that you know beauty in and of itself can't do. And we would both be um, idiots to not acknowledge the fact that physical beauty is currency. Mm -hmm. Physical beauty does open the doors and get people to pay attention. Now, would they consider your mind? Uh, Would they immediately assume you were smart if you were just this definition of beauty or would they just be like, Oh, you're beautiful. So you're not going to be smart. We're not going to take you seriously. You must be a bitch. Uh, Women will hate you, you know? Mm. So there's all this, this stuff that comes with being that quote, 
you know, 6%. I call, I call them the aliens with my daughter. <laughs> I refer to people magazines as the aliens because there's such a small percentage that looks like that. And though it seems like they have an easier life and kind of like having money, it does make things easier for certain scenarios, but do those people inside um, have low self-esteem? Yes, mm -hmm. they do. They do. Just like everybody. I mean, I can't speak to everyone on the planet, but I'd like to think that if, if your only currency and your only worth is your appearance, well, looks can die or not. Maybe they're just those, you know, beautiful people that they, they're the type of, you know, natural, unnatural beauty that will withstand the test of time. They'll always be beautiful, but those people will always maybe have to fight for proving that they're smart or even if they're Harvard educated, that will not be taken into consideration with the first snapshot yeah. people see. It's kind of like the, um, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Legally Blonde, mm. where she was never taken seriously, even though she was very smart and she knew she could be a lawyer. Uh, movie plug, by the way. Hey. But also the idea, yes, I totally agree with you that beauty, whatever the current form of socially elevated beauty is, yes, that's a currency that gets you in the door, gets you to where you want to be. But then that has its own stigma, like you said, of, oh, she's a hot bimbo, so she must be dumb, or uh, she's smart, so we're not going to take it seriously, or she'll probably be a great secretary, but don't expect much from her because she's so pretty. Those are such crazy and inaccurate tropes that we've actually fallen prey into believing it about others and ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we were talking about um, being insecure. You have money, it doesn't take away all the problems that money supposedly solves. It makes things easier. You're right. But you also talk about like those models, those supermodels that end up being on all the glossy covers and all the beauty magazines. Um, a lot of that is Photoshopped. A lot mm -hmm. of that is perfect lighting and perfect uh, application of makeup by a makeup artist, not even yourself. You know, you take all that away and they're going to they're gonna come and go from that photo shoot and probably a pair of uh, leggings and uh, a sweatshirt and a hat. And they're not going to look like that when they walk in and when they walk out. So what we need to remember is that the perfection we see on magazines, in movies, uh, social media, that perfection is not really real in most cases. You know, we have, we have filters now that apps that'll change our appearance and make us softer and smooth out our skin and do our makeup perfectly for us, even though we didn't do it ourselves. There are so many things that make perfection even more hard to attain yeah. because, because a simple fact is like, okay, you do realize this, this was airbrushed or Photoshopped or their waist is not that skinny, but they, they truncated it in and did all this manipulation to it. You know, there, there's such a, we, we do understand this exists now, I think more so than ever, but I also think that we're still slavish to seeing that, that one photo, the finished mm -hmm. product and not scrutinizing it immediately to say, oh, she doesn't look like that. You're like, oh my God, she's so pretty. How come I can't look that way without saying, oh, she's probably was airbrushed. She probably was, this. she had perfect lighting. People don't look like that in real life. <laughs> You know, I think there's something to be said. Uh, there is a counterculture 
to this kind of high-end beauty, which is kind of like showing people, especially during COVID. And I think you had mentioned it to me before. It's like, we're getting to see more of this natural beauty of people because one, they're on Zoom calls out of their house. They're not, you know, going out and doing red carpets. You know, we're starting to see a more natural look of people because nobody has like a posse of makeup artists following them around to do their hair and do their makeup and everything's perfect. So we're starting to see it's like, oh, that's what Scarlett Johansson looks like. That's what Drew Barrymore looks like right, when I, she does her own work. Yeah, and I want to like be angry. I, I, it, it, for me, it like activates me a lot more because I'm like, that's what you look like when you first wake up. You know what I mean? Like this kind of imperfect, imperfect, you know, oh, you have bags under your eyes too. Cool. But you still look like the most beautiful woman that ever woke up. You know what I mean? And and that's just like, that's also some, some lies. That's some kind of bull because whatever, maybe that particular person has done the work and exudes this beautiful quality and is really proud of the kind of vulnerable, um, unfiltered, unairbrushed, you know, real them. And they've Mm -hmm. embraced that and they've really worked on their inner beauty so that it just exudes from them. Um, But we're, I'm conditioned to hate the most beautiful woman in the world. As far as my species, I mean, we're conditioned to be like, oh, she's stupid. I mean, I can't even, I have this one example of this, of this woman I met when um, she was in my baby group when Remy was a baby and she was so beautiful naturally that I would convince myself and she would always make these like really ugly kind of facial expressions. And she'd always just, it felt like she was going out of her way to like, um, put on the ugly, (laughs) whether, whether she was or not in my mind, I created this narrative that she was, um, she was really trying to be more approachable. So she was playing up the kind of human quality and the, um, ugliness quote quote to get people to to realize that she was the quote real person and and really you know be warm to her and not just be intimidated now this is all something i made up in my head you know based Uh on observation and based on just probably how i would be if i was just like that that blonde i don't know like it was a narrative i created in my head that made complete sense to me that like she had to add the ugly humor and the like beer belly laugh and just like, I don't know, like, like, so she would be approachable and not just like, Oh, you're just a pretty girl. Right. I'm going to stay the hell away from you because a, I'll feel way ugly. (laughs) I'll feel like your ugly counterpart and B, (laughs) you know, vamping up this, this mask of humanity and this kind of like, whatever do you know what i'm saying i i do and and i think that also that narrative that you created for yourself was not something you consciously did it just happened it's like it was almost i I can guarantee you it was almost immediate it was like you just she walked in and you already had constructed this narrative like subconsciously and got this instant read 
of, of what your expectation was with her is like, oh, I, I can't approach her because she looks like this. I'm not, she's out of my league to be a friend. And all the while, you know, she's probably coming in with the same thoughts about you or other people in the group or, oh my God, I just had a baby. I, I probably look so fat and ugly. And, you know, all, all these things that we perceive or we self-perceive, you know, we have a self-perception of who we are and like, we know what we've gone through mm-hmm. and it, and it affects us. So like a pregnant woman, I know you had mentioned before that you felt beautiful after um, having a Remy and you know, who knows how other people might feel opposite. Like, you know, now they're going through postpartum and now they're, you know, they're carrying the baby weight and they feel ugly and unattractive and who's ever going to want me. And they're deep in the taking care of the baby uh, phase, you know, there's so many things that we don't understand and we shouldn't take for granted and we shouldn't just assume what people are going through. Like right. you said, people with money are not necessarily happy. People we perceive as beautiful are not necessarily secure and confident with who they are as people. Um, and this goes from the highest levels of celebrity to the, the, the most, you know, supposed lowly person. This is an ingrained thing that happens to all of us. And I just want to say, I understand it because I've been battling, like you said, I've been battling this feminine persona of like how I feel I look to people and how I feel I'm being presented and like, I feel I failed. So therefore everybody feels that I'm failing or they know I failed and I look, mm-hmm. I look like a man in a dress. Um, but yet, like you've said, you know, people have validated me people said I've looked pretty. And it took a period of time before I could actually look in the mirror for myself and say to myself, yeah, I think I am pretty. It was like, I don't need somebody else to validate my, my looks because I was doing my own validation. But I think we all need help along the way to help us get to a point of that self-reflection that says, hey, yeah, you know what? Those people are right. I'm pretty. And not in a cocky, arrogant way, but in a way that says I am fulfilled and I am confident and I am comfortable with who I am as a person. Um, Just one anecdote. When I first started Instagram, again, I was not comfortable with who I, how I looked and, but I knew I needed to do it. So I, I did it. And one of the like first, probably within the first 10 or 15 posts, some guy came on and messaged me through Instagram and says, you have such a big nose. You should do something about that nose. And yes, I have a big nose. I get it. And I was not comfortable. I am still not comfortable with my nose. If I were to do anything to my body, it would be make that a little more more petite. Um, Mm. But I kind of rebelled against his um, kind of like his, forwardness about it mm-hmm. it's like i almost took it i took it as like an affront and it kind of made me feel bad about myself a little but then i almost i went back and said you know what who is this guy to tell me like that i should do something with my nose i said who's this guy out of the blue it's like he me- is meaningless to me other than somebody who saw my picture or a series of pictures and now wants to make a comment unflattering and very toxic mm-hmm. and i should just accept that why should i accept that and that's, I think, Except was that as my truth, as a truth, right? Because I'm like, right. yes, I, I agree. I have a bigger than maybe average nose for a female or a female, you know, kind of structure. So I get that. I understand that. Um, but I didn't, for some reason, although I was bristled by it and I kind of felt shitty about it, 
for a little bit. Um, I then soon realized that this guy was a troll. This guy was just out there to just say bad things and toxic things. Mm-hmm. And his opinion did not carry the same weight as somebody who actually did not carry the same weight as somebody who actually cared enough for me to be, to make a comment because the people who care about you, they may be kinder, of course, because they obviously care about your feelings, but those people who care about you the most and are the most objective about their criticism and things to help you are not doing it out of just to get a rise out of you or to make you feel terrible about yourself. They're doing it to say, Hey, you could be better at this. Let me help you with your makeup. Let me give you some tips. But they're not saying, oh my God, you're terrible. You're ugly. They're saying, oh my, you know how you could just enhance this one little bit? Let's let's talk about that. Or let me give you an idea of, of what I've done that can help you. I mean, that's kind of the difference. You need to surround yourself with people who will validate you truthfully and recognize your truth until you can recognize it for yourself. Mm. First of all, I'm like, first of all, talk to me, girl. If you did anything to your nose, I don't know if I recognize you. It's so, it's so to me, symmetrical to your, to your face. I mean, it's so, um, it's proportional to my face. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Also like uh, that, first of all, that hurts me deeply when anyone says anything about someone's appearance in a negative, in a negative way. Um, F that troll, mm. first of all. Yeah. Hey. And if you did anything to your nose, I don't know if you look like yourself. I don't know if you look like the person that is on the cover of your books that people look to as a, inspiration and a guide for their own visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. That's kind of hideous and awful, that comment. And I'm, I'm sorry that ha- that happened. I'm sorry to anyone who has ever experienced tro- trolling, yeah. a troll commenting about their appearance, especially if you are a part of the community and you're just trying your best. And, and um, I think that there's something to be said also in terms of your value when people are able to validate you in a positive way. Um, when you're trying to be visible, that's your goal. And suddenly mm-hmm. you put a picture on Facebook and you get all these positive comments about how hot and beautiful and wonderful and great you are and you look, I think that that, to counter the idea that it should come within and that's the goal and all that, I think when you're stepping out or need the courage to step out, being visible is really scary. And the kind of feedback that comes from the community in a positive way for a crossdresser who's putting their first profile picture as as their feminine persona or as mm-hmm. their you know this female self that they've been developing, it's everything. I, I imagine it to be everything, and I imagine it to have the kind of power that um, 
can get you to open and come out to people who you feel safe with. The power to go to CVS as your feminine self, whether as a cis woman and a professional image consultant would be like, well, let's just shorten the skirt just a dash. <laughs> let's keep safety in mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't think that it's this false sense of self. I do think that it's very important in terms of your worth and your validity as a cross-dressing woman or as a trans woman. I think it's huge. Yeah. I agree. Like I said, it's, um, in my second book, I talk about Maslow's law. It's a pyramid. You know, it talks about getting your basic needs met, shelter, um, you know, being able to provide, have a sense of community, you know, family. And then you, you get accolades, you know, for like the work you do. And at some point you hit a pinnacle where you go beyond yourself. You do more than expected or warranted or needed. And it's like, how do you get to the point of, feeling validated enough to like go beyond and do that thing that's never been thought of or, or something that somebody wouldn't even know you'd want to do. It's just a, right. beyond the scope of like things that's necessary to survive and thrive. The reason why I bring that up is because I always had a sense that for a crossdresser, it's so imperative to have validation, to have a community, um, to find people like you who can support you and, and, and raise you up and, and give you positive commentary. Mm -hmm. The problem is there are so many of us still without that infrastructure, without that community to, to help them lift themselves up. And I, I've had community. I mean, I found community. It wasn't just cross-dressers. I eventually found uh, the wider LGBTQ, you know, uh, community to, you know, just interact with and not only just be validated. It wasn't like people were like constantly gushing about, oh my God, you're so beautiful. It's like, it wasn't about that. It was about, for me, just normalizing the fact that, oh, it's Savannah. Oh my God, Savannah's here. Okay, let's talk to Savannah. It wasn't about like talking about me physically. It was about talking about me as a person. Right. I, no, well, because females are such, there's such a focus on physical the physical beauty and the physical stuff, I think it's it's almost like it starts with that. And then mm. as you develop a little bit more, it becomes it becomes something different. There is like you're like you speak to it, it you know, kind of starts from a sense of self. And then I don't know if you would say that you get bored of it just being the selfish, self-indulgent dance you do, and then you know you get to a point in your visibility where you want to help others. I think that that's extremely transformative and healing, not only for others, but for yourself. Um, and, and the respect that one feels when they have a cross-dressing sister or a mentor, someone like me, a cis woman that um, has made it her life's mission to validate and support and respect um, transgender women and cross-dressing women. I think that's something that, sure, I'm an image consultant, sure, the kind of um, product at the end is getting clothes that um, are in align with, alignment with who you are. 
but the foundation and the need, what makes my business so in alignment with kind of the com that community support is the respect. It's not about the clothes. It's not about if you, you know, post on, go on Instagram and get, you know, X amount of likes, but it's that comment, you know, keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you so much for helping me. Mm -hmm. You know, you've helped me come out to my wife, whatever it is. You and I can both speak to the kind of work we do in the community as being validating. Yeah, like Kate yeah. and I talk about this a lot, how the validation that comes at the end of the lookbook, the feedback and the pictures of, of them wearing the outfits and going out in the world. I can imagine you can relate to what I'm saying about, you know, the comments from the books, what your book has done for the world. That, that kind of validation, it's so powerful to people mm -hmm. like us for the work we do. It makes us realize that it's, it's not just this self-indulgent thing. It's not just this, it's not about making money for you. It's not about selling books or, or, you know, it's about our journey and how it's able to help others and yes, how we're able to stand yes. tall. Yes. And I'm just going to embellish on that because it's, I think this you is do. such a, such an important point is that yes, the work you do and the work I do, it's our passion. You know, this, this is not my primary job. This is not what pays mm -hmm. the bills. Uh, but for me, it's very, very important. It has become more and more important to me to be an example so the idea that, you know, we're talking about validation. At first, right. we we're talking about beauty and accepting that you are your most beautiful because of who you are. That's number one. And don't let anybody tell you you're not because we all can find our beauty in ourselves, in our psyche, in our heart, in our mind, in our physical selves. It's just a huge, it, it's in totality. Your beauty is the totality of who you are. And I hope everybody can find it. We're going to talk about external validation and how we validate other people until they can find their own validation. So what you just said about we are out here, you with Fox and Hanger, me with Living with Crossdressing, we are not physically going out to people and saying, you look beautiful. Right. We are not validating on a one-to-one -one in that way. We are providing one, you a service, me to uh, a kind of like a, a journalized experience in us with this podcast, you know, storytelling and, and examples and kind of discussion that will allow that person listening or coming to you to see that lookbook. What we bring to that is a validation in a different sense. We're not saying, hey, look, you, you're beautiful. In those words, we are saying, hey, look, here's my here's my journey. Here's what we feel would help you. And we're really more examples. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're providing like a possible path and a possible way to just let them see for themselves how validated they are. And I think that at the end of it is the most important thing we could possibly do is provide them the tools to allow them to get to that moment in their journey to say, you know what? I am beautiful. I am 
the best I can be. I am normal. I am able to go out into the world exactly how I feel and be my most authentic and be my truth. Because like you said before, and we've talked about earlier, they have to find that for themselves. Right. And like, I, I like to think that you and I provide something to the community that allows people to find that within themselves. And for me, that's something I struggled with and had to come to terms with. And it's something that you understand as a cis woman supporting the community that we can validate by words all we want, but at the end of the day, we need to provide something actionable and something transformative so people can hear it, read it, see it, experience it and be like, oh yeah, you know what? They're right. I am this, I am able to, hold my head high and be beautiful. And there's, there's something that within all those, you know, really important points that you just made, there's this one word that the Fox and the Phoenix podcast provides, Fox and Hanger, Living with cross Wrestling, your books, your blogs, the outreach we're doing, our individual interactions. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is, healing medicine that I want to just add to that beautiful description you just gave for all the stuff that we're doing. And that's the word connection. You and I are creating connection with people. And that is something that will allow them to then, you know, fly like the beautiful butterfly they are. But we are hardwired for human connection. And I believe that if we can connect with people, whether it be people connecting with your words on the page or connecting with an image you put out there or individually, that right there is the healing elixir that's Mm. going to be the game changer that we all crave so much that is often missed out from liking or from commenting. And and it is why Facebook and Instagram and social media is such kind of an addiction is because we are hardwired for connection. And I'd like to think that this podcast is another example of the ways in which people feel really connected to us and in turn really connected with the conversation of their cross-dressing and then how can they make expand that connection to their partner? How can they, how can they connect deeper with something that feels like such a lonely journey, such a solo journey, such a kind of selfish at the best possible way of saying that um, experience and, and, journey to self-discovery how can we connect with others who are either going through that or who want to support us with that or who are a part of our inner circle how can we deepen the connection so i just want to say that absolutely absolutely i love it i love i love you i love what you bring to the table i love your energy i love your outlook it's you so amazing um and i want to say to this lovely, beautiful woman that we are talking about that kind of was the genesis of this conversation. I want her to know that she is beautiful mm-hmm. inside and out. She's actually done things for her husband, who's again, a cross-dresser uh, in ways of support and love and acceptance mm-hmm. that just transcends physical beauty. 
but yet she is also a beautiful creature uh, as well. Mm. And I just want her to know that. I think she knows who she is. I'm not going to, you know, uh, venture her name at this moment, but I just want her to know that she's beautiful inside and out. And she's somebody that anybody would be proud to have in their life, in their lives. So on that note, um, the only thing I can add to this is, as we always do toward the end of these conversations, you know, anybody who has a story, anybody who has felt ugly and then some during some part of their journey has made a realization, what was that realization? What was that story that made you feel ugly? And what was that moment, that epiphany that, that allowed you to say to yourself, oh my God, I've been wrong this whole time. I am beautiful. Um, what have you found as the proper support system to, to help you get there. Yeah. You know, because, you know, I have my experience, Julie, you have your, your experience and it's just two, two stories that may be universal, but also may, we may be missing something like what's another way that people can find that within themselves. Yeah. You're here to that. We want to hear from you, your story matters and we want to connect with you. Yeah. So we so share, comment, and if you think this podcast is something that others would truly benefit from, please let them know. And we, we value our listeners so, so very much. And yeah. Thank you. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And thank you for another beautiful afternoon on, on uh, a day we can podcast together. Yes. So bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. The Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor. Copyright 2021. Yes, nailed it. We would love to hear from you because your story matters. Please comment and share on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix podcast underscore.